Hello, and welcome to the Profitable Practice Podcast with me, Andrea Maxim, naturopathic doctor turned healthpreneur. And every week, I'm bringing you no-nonsense, no-BS, actionable strategies to create a practice that is not only profitable, but fully sustainable by you. If you're an action taker like me and want to create a practice that is profitable, then you've come to the right place. And welcome back to the Profitable Practice Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most, Andrea Maxim, and I have today another naturopathic colleague of mine, Dr. Jennifer Hessler, who is, she's been in practice since uh, 2003. She is a crazy mama-jama. She has three kids under the age of seven. She runs her own practice in a small town and co-owns a multidisciplinary clinic. And it's really great for us to have her on the show because especially talking to students that are going through the naturopathic college, students that are thinking about where they want to set up practice, the number one question that I sent, I tend to always get from people is, you know, where do I go? Do I set up in a big town? Do I set up in a, a small town? Do I set up in a big city? Do I open a big clinic? Do I just start with a small clinic? So Today, Jennifer and I are going to go over all of those questions, hopefully in greater detail. And I know, Jennifer, you're not afraid to be open and honest with everyone, too, about the mistakes that you've made and sort of if I knew what I knew now sort of thing. So we'll talk about those, too, I hope. Absolutely. Cool. So is there anything else that I've left out, Jennifer, before we jump into it that people should know about you? And let me just say this. The reason why Jennifer is on the show today is because she emailed me after one of my podcasts and was like, hey, I don't know if you're looking for people to interview, but this is sort of what I've learned through my business and would that sound awesome to your audience? So if that's also something, if you've got a great story to share that our colleagues and our community would love to hear from you. Do not hesitate to reach out like Jennifer did because that's why you're here and I love that you're here today. Well, thanks so much for having me. And I have to say thank you so much for doing this podcast. Like I feel, I think I I might've said this in my email, like I've kind of stumbled into my success without ever having like a definite plan of what I wanted to have or, you know, I knew I wanted to be a naturopath, but I didn't really know exactly what that was going to look like. And I don't know if things have gotten better now, but when I was at CCNM, they, we had a practice management class and it was like, seriously, I have too many other things to study. And like, I don't, I can't even think about this right now because I just wasn't in that space. Yeah. So even the course that we did have, they did talk a bit about, you know, imagining and visioning and goal setting. And But I just wasn't really in a place where I could understand the importance of that. So, yeah, I, when I was listening to your podcast, I'm like, this is such wonderful information that, like, even me 13 years into this, I still can learn so much from it. And I think that's what practice is all about, right? It's a constant evolution. And you're, I mean, it's like we say, the more we learn, the less we realize we actually know. Yes. So I think it's great that these resources are available. And I thought, you know, maybe I can help people out by sharing, like, you know, I I am at a really good spot, but there are things that I think I could have learned a lot better and faster had I been able to access other people's experience. And thankfully now, like even in 13 years, like the internet has drastically changed, yes. right? Like I started out, my husband made me a website and I mean, now things have changed, but it was like super basic. <laughs> and I, beyond that, you know, I had an email address, like I didn't do anything else on the internet for marketing, which would be totally different for people starting out today yeah yeah and thankfully like I mean I guess it can be overwhelming how many things there are to do but there are a lot of resources out there that can help make it a lot easier so you don't have to figure it all out yourself so let's start right from the very beginning with you you started in a small town because you're in Port Elgin right yeah population of 12,000 give or take right so even in my practice Caledonia there's a population of nine maybe ten thousand but that's 
that is my sort of bread and butter. That is my clinic. And I think you feel the exact same way. So when you started out there, were you thinking, you know what, maybe I'll just stay in Toronto. You know, I'm kind of worried about going into a small town. What helped you make that decision? Well, it was a huge jump for my husband and I. Like I grew up in Brampton, you know, went to Kingston to do my undergrad, lived in Toronto, I was at CCNM. My husband had a great job um, in Toronto at the time, but he wasn't, it wasn't really doing it for him. He wanted something more. And I didn't really see myself staying in Toronto. Even at the time, I thought there's a lot of NDs here. I think it's going to be harder for me to find my niche than if I can go somewhere where there aren't as many. So we kind of just, my husband's family has always summered up here. So that's how we knew of the area. And then we did a little bit of research and like looked at the average income. Like we do have only one major employer and tourism as our industry. Um, but it, it is a really good employer. So like the average um, family income in Port Algon is one of the highest in the province. Uh, so that did factor in. Um, there were no other naturopaths here at the time. Um, I did go and talk to a few clinics that I thought I might like to practice in. They actually didn't end up being the ones I ever worked in. Right. But we figured, you know what, let's give this a try. Like my husband is a custom home builder. He had an opportunity to start doing a bit of that up here. Like we don't have kids. Let's. What do we have to lose? Like, let's go give it a go. Worst case scenario, we move back to the city. Right. And then as a result uh, of us being here, like my in-laws, they, they were the ones that had already summered here, but they now have moved up and my parents have moved up. So that has been a wonderful help for us with our kids. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great place to live too. Like we have, that were right on the water and like there, there were, um, sort of more aesthetic things that appeal to us about being here as well. So let's also talk about sort of the startup. So you are in a place where there are no other naturopaths. I, and this is like over a decade ago too, right? So back then, I don't think naturopathic medicine had the footing that we have now. So you had to really bust your butt to get your clinic yeah. up and running. So describe some of the techniques that you used to really get patients through the door. Yeah. So again, I, I was like, okay, I've got my office. I'm going to make some handouts. Like, let's bring on the patient. Right. <laughs> Um, obviously, like we all find out, we do have to do some legwork to, act, to make that happen. Um, being in a small town, it is a little bit different. Like at the time, like I said earlier, the internet wasn't really as big of a marketing tool beyond maybe having a website. Um, so I got a list of all of the local organizations that are in town and I cold called them and offered to do talks. I mean, there were lots of people that said no thanks, but there were people that said yes. And often I'd go do talks and there'd be like five people. <laughs> like we're not talking huge groups at all. But pretty typically, like at least one of those people would end up coming to see me. So it cost me nothing. And sure. it was the experience talking about all the great things that we do. And so that was a big part of, of how my practice started to grow. And the nice thing about a small town is that word of mouth is huge. So really, like now I do nothing for marketing beyond like we have a Facebook page and a web page for the office, but I don't, we don't spend anything else on marketing. Um, and it's all through word of mouth. Like we have a spot on our intake where people can say how they found out about yes. us. And usually it's through a friend. There are family docs now that will send uh, patients to us for certain conditions. So that took time. But for sure, I think that's a huge benefit of being in a small town. And, you know, 12,500 people sounds small. It is small. But, like, I'm still one naturopath, right? Yes. Like, none of us have 12,000 active patients. So there's more than enough still to go around. Are there any naturopaths working there now? There, um, so when I came, yeah, there was me. And the other thing about Port Algon, like, Caledonia is still closer to other larger centers. Like, there's Owen Sound, which has about 20,000 people it's 45 minutes right. away. So there are a couple naturopaths there. There's King Carden, which is also 45 minutes away. There's a couple that are there now. Um, in town right now, there's only one other practicing ND. There were two others at one point. Um, so yeah, and I, and I, like, we would love, love, love another naturopath in our clinic. So there's definitely lots 
to go around. <laughs> and am I correct in, do you currently practice in two practices or you upgraded to the multidisciplinary clinic? Yeah, I'm okay. only in, I've only ever been in one okay. spot. And I know like there's different approaches that different people will share, but I always felt like I wanted to just focus myself in one place and not have to spread my energy out thinner. And I mean, in a small town, geography-wise, you can only go so far. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be in the water, or you're going to be in the middle of farm country. So um, yeah, I started off in a chiropractic clinic and was there for a couple of years. And it was a busy clinic. Um, I think that did help a little bit just to get me known. And then um, I went into a like just a small office with the practitioner who I now run and own the clinic with. So it was just the two of us. We had no reception. We did everything ourselves. We just kind of shared space in the same office. And we were there for about two years. And then the opportunity came up to purchase the building that we now okay. have a clinic in. And that's another huge advantage of small towns is that, like, your cost to purchase property is much, much less. Yes. So we were really lucky. It was formerly in, like, an auto, like a car quest, an auto part place. Um, and so it was just a concrete shell and my husband being a custom home builder, he did all of our renos for us and we did it sequentially. Like we renovated a third of the clinic and had four offices, four, yeah, we had four offices to start and then, um, a year and a bit later we did another third and then last year, two, 2014 in the fall, we finished the, um, the final third. So doing it that way really allowed us to like not invest too much capital totally. and to bring on practitioners like in a way that was realistic, right? Instead of starting up a building where we like, oh my God, we need five people. Like, yes. <laughs> which here, you know, there's not as much to draw from. Like, you know, finding an ND, somebody has to really be committed to living in a small town if they're going to come and work in our clinic. And I think that's wonderful, but you have to be you have to be ready for that in a place in your life where that makes sense, right? Yes. So, yeah, that's how it sort of evolved into and, – and, again, with the clinic, too, we didn't even have, like, a, this is how we're going to do it. It's just like, oh, we need some more space. Okay, let's do this. And then somebody would show up and, like, oh, they seem like – I mean, we have had some people come and go. But overall, it hasn't really been, like – it just seems to happen. And yes. myself and my our, uh, the, my other um, business partner, we both kind of have the outlook like it's going to work out. You know, of course, you stress about certain things. But the same with my practice. I was just like, well, you know, I don't have as many patients as I want when I first started. Like, what am I going to do to change that? Like, mm -hmm. it's up to me. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's such an important statement that you just made there is you looked inward and said, it's up to me to grow. It's up to me to make this happen. And I and I don't want to offend anybody, but I do find that there's so many people that look it, at, it, at it as a problem outward. They say, well, it's my location. Well, it's this. It's, you know, because I don't have this up or nobody is coming to my talks or, you know, we can blame yeah. externally all we want, but it's such an important thing to always be checking back in and always think, you know, what can I do to get more patients in? What can I do to um, offer better customer service? What can I do to offer a better space? And so you going from running your small little office to now opening up this big center, talk about that. And I think this is something that I'd really like to get into more detail about simply because we always think that that's the dream, right? As soon as you graduate, you want to open up that big multidisciplinary clinic and Per perception allows us to think that, oh, you, you're rolling in the dough once you open up that big space and they right. don't understand the overhead and the headaches that can happen with hiring people and getting people committed, as you said. So I'd love to know sort of number one from making that decision and then working with a business partner because you now have two heads that are running the space, yeah. which can sometimes be a problem for some couples and, and not a problem for others. So let's start there. What was it like finding that ideal business partner to now jump into this huge venture for you? 
I wish I could say, I don't know, it was more intentional, but again, it just kind of happened. Like we had met in the first chiropractic clinic that I worked at uh, when things didn't quite end up lasting there. He had said to me, you know, if you need space, I've got space. So I, it happened and we ended up working together. And then my husband and I, we first found the building that the clinic's in and we kind of thought, you know what, we need to minimize our risk a little bit. Let's see if he would be interested and so he's a part owner in the building and then yes. we 50 50 manage the clinic because that way it's minimizing the risk that it's all on me so and it, it just kind of happened I mean we did know each other from having already had four years of working together so yes. it wasn't like just a random I need money here do you want to buy in kind of thing right um, but we are really good next like I am more <laughs> and we, we openly talk about this, like type A, I have all these ideas, I want everything to happen all at once, and he's very laid back and maybe not as, um, uh, like he doesn't seek out the making the changes as much as I do, but he's really good at balancing me, and he's, if I, it's kind of like a husband and wife, right? Yes. Like if I ask my husband to do something, he's wonderful at getting it done. But it's, if I don't ask him, it's easy for me to get upset that he didn't just see I needed that done. <laughs> right. <laughs> that whole telepathy thing. They just haven't figured it, it out yet. It doesn't work so great. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like him and I have sort of, he's like my work husband. Yes. Like, same thing. If I'm like, Tony, we've really got to work on this. He's like, totally, I'm on it. So we've, we've learned how to help. And there was a point where we sat down. And I was like, look, I feel like I am doing all of this growth stuff, like, is this still something that you yes. want to work on as well? Or, you know, should we kind of change the setup? And, and it was really just communicating that. And he said, No, I, I want to, you know, I, you know, let's talk about this, how can we split this up equally? And um, so then it really, really got, you know, then I didn't get to the point where I was resenting, feeling like things weren't balanced. We were clear on what we both felt we were contributing so that we could make sure that that was pretty equal. And that's so yep. important too, right? Because as you said, you're in a long-term partnership and there's a lot of um, reputation and money at stake and finding someone who will balance but keeping them in check as well because I've definitely heard of partnerships where it sounds all good in the beginning and then the one partner's like you know what I'm bouncing for the next month because I feel like going on vacation and then yeah. the other partner's like well that wasn't really what we had agreed on in the beginning so it's wonderful that it's working out but it does sound like the communication is a big Huge, part of it. Yeah. Like with any relationship, right? Like of course. You have to be clear, yeah. And, you know, he's been very fair to me. Like, I have taken time off with all three of my children when I had them. And I was still a part of the clinic, but I wasn't physically here. So for me, having him physically here full time meant that it was a little easier for me to be able to step back. Yes. Because, you know, he'd make sure the sidewalk was shoveled in the winter time and the garbage is getting out. And, you know, we delegate those tasks. So somebody still has to kind of be there to yep. make sure things run smoothly. So for me, that was a huge advantage. And I also still am working three days a week in the clinic. So he's here five. Like, you know, the, I mean, with email and things, like I can still stay in touch quite easily. But we help that he's here physically more often so that we can balance it out that way. And he's, he's very understanding about that. So that's nice about him, you know, not being the super type A like me that, you know, he's like, whatever, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now let's transition into hiring your associates because here's another thing. So it's, yes. it's one thing to just take care of you and take care of your business. But now you have people that are, I would assume, expecting certain results from entering your practice that seems yes. to be how it is when you walk into somebody else's clinic there's a little bit of an expectation well you're the owner you should be doing certain things to help me grow or not so let's talk about how that process is from a business so, owner perspective I should start by saying like my practice is still my best bread and butter mm -hmm. we hope that we will be able to get to the point where the clinic is more of a business um, and that's one thing that we've really worked on in the last couple of years. Uh, but definitely, uh, sometimes you can sit back and think life was kind of simpler when it was just him and I sharing an office, you know, part-time reception, 
So definitely, I mean, I really like the clinic um, practice, like management part of it. Yep. Uh, but I got to a point a few years ago where I was like, I'm spending all of this time and really all I'm doing is subsidizing my own overhead costs, right? Like, what is the value, like, uh, again, for me to be putting this time in to helping other people build their practices? But we didn't really sit down because, you know, the stumbling upon is a great thing in some respects. In other respects, I really wish that we'd had, like, a more of a clear vision or, you know, been setting our short-term, long-term goals right from the get-go, had a better idea of what does it actually cost us to run this clinic yes. and what is a fair amount to be asking of other practitioners to pay. So in the first year, like we've now had the clinic for eight years, I think it's eight, I think we're almost nine. And initially we had another friend RMT practitioner who um, was looking for space and so she came on and took the other room that we had and that worked really well like we got along great but how we based our rent was just on what kind of the going rate was in town yes without actually looking at what does this cost us right and then that kind of continued um for a while and so i mean on the one hand it kept things simple like people were just paying us straight rent um, you don't have to get your fingers in how busy other people are going. You know what you're you're getting month to month. Um, but I did get to the point where, like, I had all this, this vision to, you know, grow the clinic. And then I'm like, but why? Like, my practice is busy. What is my most, right? Like, not from a, I'm not from a malicious standpoint. Yeah. But we're busy. Like, there has to be something in it for everybody. Yeah. So when I came back from my third mat leave, I kind of was at like a, and then I mean, as you know, the, having kids, like your time becomes a premium, right? So I'm like, I don't want to be putting all this time in and not really gaining when I could be putting it towards other things. So that was around the time that, that Tony and I sat down and had the serious like partnership talk and we decided to bring on a business coach and um, she was really good at like helping us to become clear on what we wanted for the clinic. And I mean, I thought it was a little bit hokey at the time, but she, the first thing she wanted us to start with was a mission statement. And I'm like, really? We have all these things to do and you want to like talk about <laughs> But it actually was a fantastic exercise um, because like our mission statement is helping people live better now and into the future. So it came about because I really, in my practice, was feeling a bit frustrated that, you know, there were some people they'd been coming for a long time, but they weren't really getting better. And when I'd see them on the schedule, I'd be like, oh, crap, like, you know, what are we going to talk That's about right. today? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think we all have some of those people. And so I, in this discussion, I was like, you know, I really, I want to help people to feel better and live better, but I want to be part of their long-term journey. I don't want to just be put a Band-Aid on this because that doesn't do it for me. And Tony was saying the same thing about his patients. You know, though he started off doing more sports medicine kind of stuff and then found that he really liked doing, like he's an RMT and an osteopath. So there's a lot of synergies with osteopathy yes. as we look at things. And so he was realizing that whole big picture really was more exciting for him. Mm -hmm. So in writing that down, like I swear to God, I never had a conversation with anyone who was like, all right, I don't really feel like you're this for the long run. See you later. <laughs> but it was like a switch flip. And all of a sudden, I'm like, even those people, some of them still continue to come, but it was like I was being different, I guess, without really being different. Yep. Well, your mindset is different. Your goals yeah. are different with those patients. When you have that mission statement now in the back of your mind being like, this is why these people are coming to see me. Yeah. And so it really just kind of started a certain momentum. And then we started having a conversation with the practitioners that were in the office and to say like, look, this is our vision. And it was kind of funny working with our coach. We were like, guess what? We've got a mission statement and we're going to like get, you know, before everybody kind of had separate business cards, like we want to be a, you know, we're going to give you business cards and they're going to showcase the clinic. And we were all excited and, and they were kind of like, you know, what is going on here? Like, things have been a certain way for so long. What, what is happening? Right. We were talking about it with our coach, and she's like, you guys, 
like you are on the train. You've already had time to know where you're going. They're still at the station and you're like, hey guys, we're here. Right. You know, so it was, it, we also worked with her about how to really communicate, like, you know, how this is something that's good for everybody, not just the owners of the clinic, like, you know, deciding to stir the pot and change the whole situation and to bring them on board to help it be like a real team effort. Because ultimately what we would love to provide, and we're still working on it, is like a true multidisciplinary approach where like we do have on our intake forum, you know, for people to consent to sharing information if they are seeing multiple practitioners. It's the logistics of making that work are a little bit tricky. Um, but we now we are more often having the conversation and like saying, you know, so-and-so said it was okay for us to chat. Like, I'm seeing this. What are you seeing? Like, why yes. is this changing or not changing? Um, so we're, we're getting there. It's still a work in process, progress. Um, and with our new practitioners that we're bringing on, we're doing it more from a, like a coaching perspective. So, um, I did talk to some other naturopaths as part of this who do have successful clinics and to look at how they set things up to make it profitable as a business. Yes. Not just the sharing of space. And so, um, we're moving more towards like a split arrangement. Um, and the big benefit for the practitioner is that we want to provide everything for them. Like they just have to come in and they see their patients. We will take care of everything else. And we have two newer practitioners right now, and we sit down with them regularly and we coach them like, okay, well, you know, here's where we would like you to be, you know, this is where you are or are not. Like, what are we going to do to help you and help us? Because this needs to be profitable for everybody. Um, so, you know, helping them to learn from what we have figured out over. We've both been practicing. I think Tony's almost 15 years now. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have the benefit of, of that. And um, it, it's kind of exciting to see how we can help them. And it doesn't have to be icky, like, I need more money from you. Right. But you it has to I, be real. Like, it has to be a real business real. conversation. And it has to be like, this is what I know it costs us to yeah. run. This is what we have to get. But like, look how good this could be for you as well. It's not just you giving us money for nothing right yes. do you know what I mean like it can be a win-win um and yeah it, it's been working out well so we're still not at the point like where um the, the clinic is by itself a, a profitable business um but we're getting there we're making progress and now we are like starting to set more goals for ourselves as well to try and get to where we'd ideally like to be because at the end of the day, like when I finish practicing, which is not going to be for a long time, but I can't really, I mean, you can sell your practice, but my practice is me. Yes. And so we thought if I can build a clinic that is more than just me, then I have something that really is more saleable and something that can make me some income without me having to be me here being patient. And the coolest thing is, is you've been out for 13 years You've had this big clinic for eight years and you really didn't start actually managing the business well and managing your business well until the past two years. So it's really important for people to understand that too is, you know, you can definitely hire a business coach as soon as you get out of practice and get a lot of these things going. And we're going to talk about some of your, I wish I knew back then sort of (laughs) things in a second. But it's also so important, the point you're making in that where your practice is now is not what it's going to look like four or five years from now. Even I'm doing a complete rehaul of how I would like my practice strategy to be so I know exactly when I'm going to do my launches when I'm going to do my list growing when I'm going to do my this that or the other how it's going to look for my patients that are coming in and this is me five years out and starting Mm -hmm. to figure all that out so I never want people to anticipate that their business is going to be stagnant and whatever mission statement they create at the beginning is going to be how it's going to run because there's always going to be change just like the internet is now something that if you're not a part of it your business most likely isn't going to do well if you're not, you know, putting your fingers in there in some way, shape or form. So after my long-winded point, but I just wanted to make that, let's talk about some of the 
quote unquote mistakes that you made in the past. Learning experiences. <laughs> right. That you really wanted to share with everybody. And that was one of the big reasons why you wanted to come on the show is to help people, you know, um, exponentially grow without having some of these stumbles and falls. So describe some yeah. of those. Yeah. And I think just going back to the point that you just made too, like how boring would it be if we just got to a point and we stopped? Like it's really in the last couple of years that I've been focusing on all of this stuff that not that I didn't enjoy what I did before, but it's made it so much more exciting. Like I really feel like I'm a part of something that's growing and changing. And so, you know, I, I, I love that this has all happened and I feel like it happened for me when it was supposed to happen. Yep. Like we uh, didn't have an easy time starting our family either. So that really consumed a lot of my energy for a long time. And, you know, I was still there for my patients, but I wouldn't have been able to do this then. Yeah. So a big part for me was like, I want a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's why once I we had a family, I wanted to really be able to spend time with my kids and not have it all be about my practice. So that definitely slowed down some of the growth. Um, I mean, I've been very happy with where my practice has been for quite a few years, but I could have worked more hours and seen more patients and made more money if that wasn't my choice. Um, and that was the choice that I felt really strongly about. So, yeah, and I think in terms of what I wish I had have learned a little bit sooner, um, I wish we had got a coach earlier on. And like some it can seem like that's a lot of money. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't cheap to do it, but it really really did help. And I mean, we saw her regularly for a period of time, and then we took a little bit of a break when I was studying for the prescribing exams. I'm like, yes. hey, can't focus. Um, and now we're at the point where we're like, okay, maybe we should start again, um, or maybe look at a different coach that can offer us some other perspective because I think like everything different people can give you different tools um the other thing I mean I really wish that I we had earlier on done more goal setting and planning and been better at looking at the financial part of it like for both of us I guess we were never in a position where we were really struggling so that might have lit the fire a little bit more Mm -hmm. um but I think we would have gotten to where we are faster had we yes done, looked at the numbers, time. right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it seems so <laughs> common sense. I'm like, what? Like we we were just talking today. We're like, why didn't we figure out what these things mean a long time ago? <laughs> we didn't, right? Yeah, it is what it is. Um, and I think yeah, like same thing. There's with practitioners that we bring on, like we're, we've realized it's really important to make sure that these people are a good fit for the clinic, not just a way to pay our bills. Yep. Better off to wait and find the right person than to just take the first person because it's really disruptive to be bringing people in and out and you, you know, spend time and energy and money. I agree. Like preparing yeah. space and then, you know, few months later whatever year later if it doesn't work out you're starting all over again um I wish this goes back to the financials but that we put a value on our time for the clinic as well um and that would have you know like not just what is it for utilities and reception and all that Mm -hmm. but like we are helping to provide value too and that should be I think otherwise why bother right (laughs) there should be something in it for you yeah 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 I I mean maybe some people do it out of the goodness of their heart but yeah we have our time is of a premium um what else even as a startup can you think of things where you're like man had I learned this when I was starting out what a difference that would have made well, I hear all the time about, you know, using emails, collecting, making your list and all that. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I didn't even, I, I, my practice growing has had nothing to do with that. So I think utilizing that from the start would definitely help to get patient growth and get your word out there a lot faster. Um, so I don't even know if that was so much of an option that I could have done it then. But then yeah. it's like get busy doing all the other stuff and it's kind of, now I'm interested in 
like my time in the clinic is as busy as it can be. So I'm looking at like what are other sources of possible income. Um, and I have to learn how to do all this stuff because like, honestly, I still don't see the point in Twitter. Like, <laughs> I really don't. I can see Facebook, but I know lots of people use it. But I'm like, I, I, I've had an experience. It's like, I don't know why. Who cares what I tweet? Like, <laughs> So, I mean, and not to say that that's, that's true for everybody, but like these things are, it's like learning a whole new concept. So mm-hmm. being clear on that from the start would definitely help. Um, and I think also being like, we, I know other podcasts you've done have touched on this. The best thing I ever did, okay, not the best thing I ever did, but a good thing I did was um, when I came back from my last mat leave, I knew my time was going to really be at a premium. And so I shortened my visits and I raised my costs. And my, like, raised the cost, you know, per unit of time. And that was the, like, I, my practice has never been busier. Um, or more so, profitable, you said. You've actually profitable. been, yeah, more profitable now, working down three days a week. You raised your prices, you're shortening your time with your patients, and your business has never been better. And I think, like, it just, people, you know, and everybody's always said, like, don't be worried about the pocketbook and, you know, I think that's really hard when you're starting out because you're so, I was so focused on needing money and. Well, sure. Yeah. So you assume that that's true for a lot of other people. Um, so I don't even, like, I don't advertise our prices on the, um, our website. And it's not that I like intentionally set them like super high thinking like, oh, this is going to make me lots, you know, but I looked at what I needed to be able to make from the time that I had available to work. Um, and so people call in and ask that question, but I think it's, it's almost good to have to call in because then they talk to our wonderful office administration and then the people who book are people that are coming in 100% on board, right? Like they know what it's going to cost, um, even if it's a little bit more than the other naturopaths, they're willing to, like, they're there because they want to be there. That's right. Not because I'm the cheapest naturopath. Or, and I don't think people really shop for a naturopath that way anyways. Right? I don't That's think so. It's $10 cheaper. It's about, it's about um, relationship building. And the and reputation. And, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And that's a great thing that Facebook can help with too, right? Because I found I've been doing, I like to write. I know you said you don't like to write. I really like to write. And so not that I was intentionally doing it as like a, I mean, I'm not gathering emails, but we have a, a Facebook uh, page for the clinic. And so I started noticing that the pages, the posts that were most popular were the posts that were like me just talking about stuff. Yes. So like this is kind of embarrassing, but it's true. My most popular post ever was like last week, and it was confessions of a naturopathic doctor who sometimes lets her kids eat McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, I would love to read something like that. <laughs> but it got, like, I don't even know what a good viewing is or not, but it had, like, 1,400, like, views and, like, a bunch of likes. And, you know, typically maybe I will get, like, 400 or 500, yeah. quite a bit more. And I wrote it because I was like, people feel, you know, they get themselves so worked up about not doing it right or not being perfect enough or, you know, and and one time in clinic, I was like, you know, it's okay. Like, sometimes I take my kids to McDonald's and she's like, what? (laughs) So, you know, it doesn't happen that often. I'm not like advertising. But it happens and it's life and people need to know that we're real people. And our, our job is to, like, make what we suggest doable, right? Yes. So um, a lot of – I think that's a good way, even in a place where there are more naturopaths, is to provide opportunities for people to get to know you. So when I started without the Internet, that was doing talks or, like, joining different groups in town that were truly interesting to me, but then using that as a venue to meet people. And, you know, the question always comes up, what do you do? Um so that was how they found out who I was. And like, oh, Jennifer seems kind of nice. Like, yeah. you know, she, I don't know, I'm having stomach problems. Maybe I should go see her. So you don't have to do that face-to-face anymore. But we have all these other tools that we can help people come into our world and, like, see why what we can do is going to be so helpful. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I could have probably gone in. That's only in the last few years, too, that I've kind of been looking at the social media way of promoting 
And and now because my practice is so busy, I'm I'm still kind of thinking like I'm helping to promote the clinic by doing these posts through the clinic page. Yes. Because ideally I want another naturopath. So the more people I let know about naturopathic medicine, the more I'm going to help that to be able to be a good arrangement for everybody as well. So I'm not just thinking about me. Yeah. I'm thinking about the bigger the bigger picture. Yeah, which is awesome. And any strategies other than raising your rates? And may I just ask sort of what was your strategy like before? Was it an hour and a half initial and you shortened it to an hour? And yeah, I'm not down to five minutes. <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> Initially, I was an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and that like for an initial and 45 minutes for a follow-up. So now I do an hour for an initial and half an hour for a follow-up, and I do now do some 15-minute uh, acute. Like, uh, yeah, another great thing that I highly recommend that you provide some good resources for is having some kind of a program. Yes. So also about it only a year ago, I put together, I mean, it's not even, I use resources that were out there to make a detox program. And that's been huge. Like it, it makes our job easy because yeah. people kind of know in, come in knowing what it is that they should expect. And then of course you individualize it to fit like their particular health concerns. Um, but it's a great marketing tool for people that will say, oh my gosh, I went to see Jennifer and I have lost weight and she put me on this yeah. program weeks and yeah that is a huge thing that everybody should have it doesn't have to be detox or weight loss but whatever your thing is do something for that right yeah. from the start yeah so that was a, a huge advantage now I totally forget what your question just was it, well I kind of you you're actually answering it so I was just going to say what were some of the other key strategies that you've implemented that right. you're that are really starting to improve your practice overall yeah, so that, and then the other thing I, I think is being clear on what you really like to do. So I have always, and, and part of it was um, there's nobody else who's, like you don't have to individualize yourself as much because there's not another naturopath down the street doing the exact Yes. Thing. So I kind of was a jack of all trades. And in some ways that's challenging because it's not like there's just someone to refer to if I don't feel like, you know, oh, we can go drive an hour. Right. Way. And, you know, sometimes I do do that, but that might mean that the person just doesn't go. Right. So I kind of felt like I had to do everything, but I didn't really love doing acupuncture and I don't really love, I do, I did Bowen too. I mean, I, I do have some patients who've responded really well, but it's just not, it doesn't really do it for me to say. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I still continuing to upgrade my Bowen skills and, you know, like, if that's not what I want, I should focus on what I want to do and think about what are the patients that when they come in, you're like, that's awesome. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, I love this. Yeah. So I became clearer on that. And I think I could have done that a long time ago. And I'm pretty sure I was given that advice. I just didn't really think that I believed it. And that would be a big thing overall. Like, I am very good at goal setting and, you know, going after something. And I love checklists and crossing off what I've accomplished like I I I'm a doer but I've learned I don't have to do it all myself yes so before I hear advice I'm like oh I'm sure I'll figure out I'll figure it out you know or like I think my way that I'm doing it might be better and maybe it is but I think I've with experience become more open to other people's suggestions because I realize that my way is not necessarily the best way. (laughs) And going back to your previous comment about getting comfortable with what you like and what really resonates with you, I think just recently I posted on our naturopathic Facebook group a referral for someone who had um, a severe kidney um, condition. And one of the people responded saying, well, why don't you just do it yourself? And I was like, well, if I wanted to do it myself, I wouldn't be asking for a referral because this is just not something that I feel like I'm going to spend hours and hours of research on. This is my first, you know, chronic kidney disease patient I've ever had. It's just not what I treat. And I find that patients really respect when you say, you know what, I don't want to waste your time or money. I, I would rather you go talk to this person, this person, or this person. However... You know, when that gets taken care of and you want to focus on, for me, digestion or detox or hormonal health or weight loss, 
then I'm here for you. So I, you know, even in a small town, I'm the same. I'm the first and only naturopath in about a half an hour radius. So I could be a jack of all trades, but I still choose not to be. I still want to, you know, treat and get excited about the patients that do walk in my door and not be like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to like, I don't know how to fake it until I make it with some of these others. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's a wise choice because I think now I'm realizing like, even if they have to go 45 minutes, they're still going to get better care and they're going to, you know, they're going to appreciate that. So why it works for both parties better. Yeah. So good for you for figuring it out. <laughs> now, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is all your babies that you've been popping out lately. Um, and so um, most people who know me know that I have a 18-month-old daughter. And that was a very tough decision coming from a woman who's running a practice as to how long I can step away from my practice. Do I bring in a locum? Will it make a difference? And the issue that I find can come up is most patients will wait for you anyway or they'll go find somebody else in the meantime and potentially stay with them. So I wanted to hear some of your experiences being that you went on three of them, how you found like making that decision to go off for however long you did, getting a locum to come in and how that either benefited or hindered your business when you came back. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a big a consideration for sure. And I mean, for me going through it, like trying to get pregnant I was like I just want a baby like I'm yeah. not even gonna realize like you know the planning of it it's not happening so I just want to be pregnant and then I'll figure out the next right. step so amazingly like when it happened it just worked out um initially I had my first mat leave um there was someone who was originally from here that came back and she covered my mat leave and she actually stayed on in the clinic afterwards. Um, and I went off for, he was born in February. I came back in September. Okay. So I think I went off like he was late. So like a couple of weeks before that, like end of January. Oh no, I came back beginning of October. Mm-hmm. So he was like nine months, eight or nine months old. Um, and then the second time, like there's three and a half years between our two children. And so, I I was pretty sure that was likely going to be it for us. And I was able to find another locum. Actually, ironically, the ND who covered for me and me were pregnant at the exact same time. So we both needed a locum. Yeah. Yeah. And so we found someone um, who was, you know, it's a pretty good arrangement for a locum because they could be busy while they were there. So I decided I was going to take 14 months off and I, picked 14 only because that would put me back in September and that was when my son would be starting school so like why go off after a year if I could have the summer as well and she was willing to stay Um, and she worked out great too like I would say with the locum nobody's like I was my practice overall wasn't as busy as when I was working it myself yes Um, but some people who saw me maybe didn't come in during that time but there were new patients that came in and um, it still ended up being a pretty good arrangement for both of us. For me, I just ended up like I covered my expenses and I made a little bit of money. Like it definitely wasn't, you know, you have to factor that into your yes. finances. Um, but I didn't lose money. I'm, you know, I wasn't going into the red not being. Yeah. So what does a setup look like with regards to the contract around a decent locum? Um, it was pretty basic. <laughs> so like, I just asked other NDs who had had locums, can I see what yours was and I, like what your agreement was, and then just kind of tailored it to fit our arrangement. Um, I mean, if you want kind of numbers, it was usually like, uh, oh, geez, I think we did a 50-50. Okay. Because so I wasn't sure so. if it would be easier to do a flat or to do a split. Well, that way I knew I was only paying them what they were actually working for, right? Like, I guess a flat, you don't really know what your practice is going to be like. You could end up paying out more than what you're actually taking in. And that seemed to be a common thread from different people that I talked to. So, like, I covered all expenses. Their 50% was theirs to keep. 
Yes. Um, and all they had to pay was like their malpractice and whatever BE they chose to do. Um, and so funny enough, after how challenging it was for us to have our first two boys, I was still in my second mat leave and I found out I was pregnant again. <laughs> so when I went back to work, I was five months pregnant. <laughs> You're like, damn it. <laughs> and I tried to see if the other locum could stay on, but her life, like she was moving to a different spot. Yes. So I had to find another locum and it worked out again. <laughs> So, and she was wonderful too. So that time um, it was a little bit shorter. I took, well, my daughter ended up being born early. So I was off from um, December until the following September. Wait, December, yeah, until September. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like again, you know, I'm sure my practice would have grown faster if I was physically here. But I really enjoyed having that time with my kids. And I still like touched base with the clinic. Like I'd met with my locums. If they needed help with cases, I'd give my input. There was still definitely clinic work that has to always be done. Um, So I wasn't like off, off. Yeah, of course. But it was a lot less than if I was actually the one seeing my patient. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I, I guess like, I don't know why, but I I always believe it will work out. And it usually does. But it's such an important, yeah, it's such an important mantra to have those that you're always keeping your eyes open. And when opportunities present themselves, it seems like you're going for them. And if you just ask for it, the universe will take care of you. If you want to, like I'm a spiritual person and I always believe if I tell the universe what I want, it'll always give me what I want when I'm supposed to have it. So that's actually a really good thing. And even looking back, like with, you know, when we were going through it, like trying to have our family, that was really challenging to just trust that it was going to work out. Um, But it really did happen at the perfect time for us. It's just so hard when you're a type A person to believe that it's going to happen at the right time because you want to make it happen right now. (laughs) So, yeah, I I really felt like... um, I don't know, things have played out exactly like they were meant to play out. And sure, there's always things that we can do differently that may have changed the outcome. But I think as long as we're continuing to learn, then we can, you know, continue to evolve. And just because somebody else's pace is faster doesn't mean that that has to be our pace, as long as we're happy with where things are at. So yeah, it's knowing what, what we want and what what makes us enjoy life that's important. Yes. And any final words of thoughts or motivation or action steps that you think the listeners could start thinking about or doing now? Um, well, going like definitely, I say get a coach. And get a coach right from the beginning. Like Factor that into your business plan. Make the money for it right from the very beginning. Um, I think number two, like make take take ownership for yourself. Like I know there's a lot going on in our profession right now and some people are having a tough time and there's, there is some negativity and rightfully so about certain things. But I always say like we can choose to focus on that or we can choose to focus on what we can do to make it different. So get out there. If you're having a hard time, like talk to naturopaths that are doing it. Listen to your podcast. Like there's, read the books like there's so many things that can help you to think of something different that you can try because even when you're you know your ship's in the middle of the storm you still have some control over where you try to chart yes. your course and it doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing but you can always be doing something to get yourself towards where you really want to be so like for me I found and I mean most of my resources I've only utilized I've always done lots of practice or I've lots of um you know, naturopathic type yes. but it's only recently that I've started to see the value of doing more of the business part. And in retrospect, I think I would have been better to do that in reverse because we know a lot coming out of school about yes, being naturopaths. We do not know a lot about being business people. So you could grow your practice faster, understanding how to be a good business. Um, the other part, you, you can figure that out if you need to. There's always lots to read or courses to go to you know for practice patient material um so 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no affiliation with Andrea, but I do really think that the information you provided in your podcast are really helpful for anybody. Thank to you. There's a nice broad spectrum of stuff. Um, after you actually, after listening to the, um, oh, I forget his name, the finance guy. Uh, Oh, now I forget the name. I don't know. I've interviewed so many people. Heal Thy Wealth, I remember, is his book. He he does um, financial planning for doctors. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's in your list of podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) But after that, I went back and looked at, like, you know, my husband and I are now meeting with a tax planner and um, doing things to manage our finances better, be more active in that role. Awesome. yeah, I, I really think that there's a lot people can learn from those. Um, I really like the book, um, Go Givers, Sell More. Have you read that one? I haven't. I'm. No, so, you know what? I'll be honest. I'm not a big book reader. I'm very engaged with YouTube videos and webinars and things like that. Right. I'm not a big book reader. Probably. Maybe it has something to do with I like reading and writing. You like like talking and I listening. I like the audio visual. <laughs> it's totally it. Um, anyways, it's a great book for me that kind of helped to take the ickiness out of selling. You know, it's about like, we have something great to share. It doesn't have to be like, please come see me. I'm a naturopath. You know, like, let's exchange money kind of thing. It's like, I have this great service to provide. And I want to share it with you. And then you can choose if you want to come see me or not. But, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity by letting you know what I do. Yeah. So it was a really, it's a very popular book. It's short. It's sweet. It, I highly recommend it. Um, and another naturopath who's done great things is um, Dr. Tara Janak. She wrote a book called The Practitioner's Journey with her husband. Yes. Uh, and it's, I got a lot from that, too. I always make notes when I'm reading, and there were lots of things I put on my to-do list after reading it. And then for the finances part, um, there's uh, Warren Coughlin, who is, a, I think he's still affiliated with coaching through the OAND. And so he has some resources online that are free. And one of them has to do with understanding your finances, mm-hmm. like understanding your financials for your business. Um, and he had this set of like sh- fairly short webinars. And then he does have a product that he sells like at the end of it, which is a, a spreadsheet. It's called his dashboard. Um, so we've started using that in the clinic. You can enter in like your monthly data and easily compare because he said, you know, we always get our bookkeeper to print out a page. And then you look at it and it's like, okay, uh, I don't know. What does this mean? Right. Like, you know, I see how much we made, but what does this mean? And his whole thing is you need to look at it as a story, like month to month, have something to compare against. So the dashboard is relatively inexpensive and gives an easy way to input. It's just an Excel spreadsheet, but specifically targeted for tracking your financials. So, yeah, I think, like, and I mean, those are just examples. I have no affiliation with any of those things, but I have personally found them really helpful. Awesome. And I'll make sure that I have those in the podcast notes on the website, maximizedbusiness.ca, with your podcast as a resource list so people can just find them there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, and I'm sure Twitter is like the number one place that they can find you, (laughs) what's the best way? Yeah, I, I do have a Twitter account. I just don't know what to do with it. But you could <laughs> find me. I just don't know if I'll find you. Um, I'm really good at email, which I know my seven-year-old says, like, Mom, email's so old. Oh, <laughs> well, really? What is newer than email? My I goodness. Know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. They have all those little, not that he has a phone or anything, but there's all these quick chat kind of oh. things. Um, anyways, yeah, email, which is just jennifer at mapleshores.ca. Uh, we have our clinic website, which is uh, mapleshores.ca, and my personal web page is linked to that. So all the contact information would be there. Um, yeah, we're on Facebook as well through Maple Shores Health Center. And if anybody's interested, as part of my McDonald's confession um, and my, my mission to help moms not feel so stressed about providing healthy food, I created a, a Facebook page called Healthy Eating Made Easier. And all I'm doing in it is sharing like my menu cool. plans I do with my kids and my family um, because it was suggested that people would like that. So anyways, yeah, those awesome. are all the places. 
any, and, and you can still call me by phone too. <laughs> Which we okay. would never do because we just use our computers these days. That's great. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jennifer. You shared such a great variety of information from so many different places. And I'm so thrilled that you reached out to me and wanted to share your story with the community. So I think that's just wonderful. And I hope people do get in touch with you. And again, I will have all of those links on the website under your podcast. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me on. Cool. So that's another wonderful show for the Profitable Practice Podcast with your host, Andrea Maxim. I know Jennifer mentioned a few things. So if you go to the resources tab on the website, maximizebusiness.ca, you can find a number of free tool guides or downloads that you can use to kind of get your business going. I also have my um, seven-day detox program. It's completely done for you that you can download and get that completely set up in your business literally in 24 hours and use that as sort of like your signature program to get repeat business. And then of course, if you want to do more one-on-one with me, I always have my 30-minute strategy calls available for you. So don't hesitate to sign up and we will talk to you personally about how we can start to profitize your practice ASAP. But that's it for me, guys. Definitely go to the website, maximizebusiness.ca. Leave your reviews on this show on iTunes so we can get it ranked higher and get more people listening. But that's it. I'm Andrea and I'm out. You guys are killer. Thank you as always for listening to the Profitable Practice Podcast. Leave me a comment, and if you haven't already, I would love a review in iTunes. Definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave me a quick review. For those ready to maximize your practice, contact me at www.maximizedbusiness.ca.